Father, we thank you for the prayers that have been prayed, the songs that have been sung, the opportunity to participate in the worship of giving. And now as we come to the time, it is to look into your word. We ask that it will fall upon the good soil of our hearts and that we will grow thereby. We thank you for this opportunity to come together and ask that you will just touch us in our innermost parts, that you will be glorified in all things. We thank you and acknowledge your presence here in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We are in a new series. This new series is called Collapse. And when I set up my schedule for the year, I like to spend some time, I like to take an opportunity to look at a book and just walk us through a book of the Bible. The book that we're going to be looking at this time is a book that a lot of people don't jump up and down about, uh, but is a book nonetheless that we need to take a moment and reflect upon. The reason that we need to reflect upon it is because this book is kind of a mirror of what our society our world is going through right now. And as we look in this book, we'll, we'll find that even in the midst of everything that we're going through, every situation, we can discover that God is still there. Even when we feel as if there's no hope, there's no help. God is still there. So the book that we're going to be looking in is called Lamentations. It's right after Jeremiah, which causes a lot of the scholars to say the book was written by Jeremiah. This is part of the contribution that um, when you talk about the prophet Jeremiah, they, they called him the weeping prophet. Um, today we just say he's a crybaby because he cried about everything. Because his heart was so desiring for the people to serve God. I don't know what your birth order is, but one of the things that we discover is that usually the oldest child has this sensor built into them to know when something get ready to happen. And he or she tries to warn the siblings something's getting ready to happen. And most of the time, the siblings say, oh, be quiet, ain't nothing going to happen. But sure enough, at the end, something happens. And most of the time, the oldest sibling doesn't say, I told you so. They just sit over there crying with you because y'all got the whoopings together. And that's kind of how Jeremiah was. He began to tell them, listen, we have to stop doing what we're doing or God's going to get us. And the mindset was kind of like it is today. God ain't did nothing yet. 
God ain't did nothing yet. God ain't did nothing yet. God ain't did nothing yet. And so then they continue to do what they do. But like the old saying is, the rooster always comes back to the roost. Meaning that what comes around goes around. And so as we look today in the first chapter of the book of Lamentations, and what it does, it describes Jerusalem's destruction because of their sin and their rebellion against God. Our goal today is for us to reflect in our own lives and to reflect upon our own shortcomings, our own missing of the mark. And do we take that as seriously as God takes it? So our first episode subtitle is, Do You See What God Sees? Do You See What God Sees? When I was putting this together, I kept thinking of that Christmas song. Or the song that we sing around Christmas, Do You Hear What I Hear? And that kept going through my mind that sometimes we need to change how we look at things and look at them through the eyes of the creator of all men. Before we dig any deeper into this, let's do our definitions. Our definitions today are coming as follows. The first definition is collapse. Collapse is fall together or fall into an irregular mass through the loss of support or rigidity. It's figuratively, figuratively a sense of coming to nothing, to fall. Some synonyms for that is to cave in, to fall in, to subside, fall down, sag, slump, settle, give, give way, crumble, crumble twice, I put it out, sorry about that, uh, disintegrate, fall to pieces, and come apart. Collapse means collapse. The next word is see, which is to discern or deduce mentally at the reflection or from information, to understand, to grasp, or to comprehend. Our final word under the definitions is holiness. And that is the state of being holy, purity or integrity of moral character. Freedom from sin, sanctity. When it's applied to the supreme being, holiness denotes perfect purity or integrity of moral character. And it's one of God's essential attributes. Now, I was at first going to read all 22 verses of chapter 1, but that's going to be your homework. Verses 1 through 17 will set you up to where we are starting in Lamentations, the first chapter, the 18th verse in the English Standard Version. Now, after all that the poet said from 1 to 17, this is what he says. Lamentations, the first chapter, the 18th verse, English Standard Version says this. 
The Lord is in the right. For I have rebelled against his word. But hear all you peoples. And see my suffering. My young men and my young, my young women and my young men have gone into cap, cap, mm, captivity. Sorry. I called to my lovers, but they deceived me. My priests and elders perished in the city while they sought food to revive their strength. Look, O oh Lord, for I am in distress. My stomach churns. My heart is wrung within me because I have been very rebellious. In the street, the sword bereaves. In the house, it is like death. They heard my groaning, yet there is no one to comfort me. All my enemies have heard of my troubles. They are glad that you have done it. You have brought the day you have announced. Now let them be as I am. Let all their even, evil doing come before you and deal with them as you have dealt with me because of all my transgressions. For my groans are many and my heart is faint. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that it falls upon the good soil of our heart. When we look at this, just like when we were children and we did things and thought that we were going to get over. Until the time came, when the time came for judgment, guess what we all said? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I won't do it again. Or some of us stick with our lie and say it wasn't me. And you got the chocolate all over your face. But it wasn't me. It just made me remind me of that, that, uh, that uh, what is it, babe? The, the Cheeto commercial. When the dad showed up with the light. And he said, how we get a cat? You know, that's the, that's the one. But everybody had Cheeto dust on their face. Sometimes we don't want to accept the fact that we were wrong. Amen. In this time, in this day that we're looking at in Lamentations, the, the, the writer is saying we thought all this time that we was okay. But now that judgment has come, now that we are in this position, now that we have come to this, I'm sorry. And so when we hear, the, hear about a lament, a lament is a passionate expression of grief. This means he was out there writing this book. The entire book of Lamentation is just five chapters of this person going through this grieving process. The very city of Jerusalem, the holy city, is now destroyed. The Babylonians have come in and taken everything away. They have wiped it out. They tore down Solomon's temple. They tore down, I mean, Solomon's palace. They tore down the temple of the Lord. They came in and devastated everything. And now they have what appears to be nothing. And the writer then says, as, he, as we saw in verse number 18, he said, the Lord is in the right. We got what we deserved. The Lord is right. 
because I did wrong, knowingly did wrong. I willingly did wrong. I saw the other kids jump off the bridge, so I jumped off the bridge with them. I did what everybody else around me did when I was told that I was selected to be different so I could show everyone else what a difference is and would be. But I decided I liked how everybody else looked. I liked how everybody else was doing it. I liked what everybody else was doing. But now we've come to this point where it's time to cash out. And we find out that we're in debt. We find out that we're short. We find out that everything that we thought was just being passed over, that we were just getting a pass on, has now simmered in a pot and now is ready to be served. But the point that I want to bring out in this, even as the writer of this first chapter is going through this, and when you read it, you'll see how, how the devastation and everything was going through, and he says, the Lord is right. But as you continue to read in those last four verses, the one thing this person looks at is the fact that God, they did us wrong. So I know you're going to get them. I still have hope that God is still going to do right by us. Because I know God is right. And if God is right, that means I was wrong. Now, when we are going through the stages of grief because of a loss. It doesn't matter what your faith is. The, 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 the stages of grief are all the same. The first thing we do is deny. This can't be happening to me. No, this ain't, no, no, no. That should be happening to somebody else. Then the next thing we do, we, we get mad. We get angry. We say, why is this happening? And who can I blame? Then the next thing we do, we start bargaining. We try to say, if you make this not happen, then I'll do this. Then comes depression. I'm just too sad to do anything. And finally, acceptance, where we come to grips, we come to peace with what has happened. Now, any of us that have lost a loved one has gone through these. We may not have known that there was a laid out way, and it, and it doesn't happen necessarily in this specific order, but this is, this is the process that we go through First thing when we hear something about a loss, our first thing is, oh, no, that can't be true. Then we get upset and we say, why did this happen? Who made this happen? 
then we say, uh, well, maybe if I'd have done this, maybe that wouldn't have happened. Then we get depressed and we just say, I'm just, I just can't do nothing. And then finally we come to, okay, it has happened. I'm not necessarily liking what happened, but I'm not going to let what happened stop me from going on to do what I need to do. These stages of grief also occur when we have fallen short of what God has required of us. If we look at the very first example of a transgression, Adam said it wasn't me. He said it was that woman. When we look at Cain and Abel, he says, am I my brother's keeper? When we look at how when we get into a position where we are confronted with what we have transgressed, our first defense is to deny it was me. Then we try to use anger to cause the person not to focus on us any longer, but to deflect them on to something else. Then we try to bargain with them. We try to talk to them. We try to say, well, you know, if you don't, you know. And then we just say, well, you got me. And then we come to the realization that I have come up short. So we have to look at how devastated Jerusalem was. And to look at how when Jeremiah was preaching, how he was saying, listen, we got to turn. We got to go in a different direction. And they got, they got so mad at him, they started beating the boy up, punching him on. And he was a young man. They just started whooping on him, locked him up in jail. In fact, when the Babylonians came and destroyed the city, he was in jail. And he just boo-hooing and crying because I told y'all it's going to happen. So then it comes to my mind, it makes me think, do we really see sin the way that God sees sin? I don't know if any of y'all have ever had the opportunity to see something that you really didn't want to see. When it happens, it becomes a part of your thinking because everything that has come into your contact because of your senses is locked into your brain. But what do we sometimes do? We try to 
change, revise, and make it not as bad as it actually was. So we have to look at it for what it was and stop trying to say it wasn't all that bad. Right now, I remember there was a time when adultery was a very bad thing. We even in the military still have it in on our legal documents that adultery is punishable. But now, in this day and age, we, we have gotten to the point where because almost everybody is doing it, there's no sense in punishing everybody. We have taken and looked at sin and began to prioritize the transgressions and, and we begin to classify them to say, I just told a little lie. And we say, I told a little lie, but that's not as bad as the person that extorted the money. But see, if we take it and look at it how God sees it, see, God doesn't see it as a hierarchy. God sees it as all the same. You see what I'm saying? We prioritize it and say that there's a depth to it. God looks at it and says, it's all the same. We talked about it before that the word sin itself is a term taken out of the, uh, the sport of archery. And the word means to miss the mark. So we have all, if y'all remember the Romans wrote, we have all sinned and come short of God's glorious standard. So if we see it the way God sees it, then we should be able to get ourselves in a position that it will not be able to overcome us, overtake us, and cause us to be destroyed because we want to be like Jesus. Now, we have to understand that because God is holy, he says, because I am holy, you got to be holy. Which implies that there is a way for us to be holy. God wouldn't tell us to, that to do something if we didn't have the capability of doing it. But because we have gotten to the point where I haven't felt anything yet, I haven't seen anything adverse happen because of this, now I'm okay. Do y'all know what it's like to see a person that has started doing something and they take it to such an extreme that eat, let's say it was a health thing. Let's say they they began to uh, began to run. Let's let's do that. Let's they began to run, and then 
they kept on running. And then they kept on running. And then you start seeing them because they were so busy running that they were not eating. They were so busy running that they didn't go to work. They were so busy running that the next thing they know, they're in the hospital. But even in the hospital, they felt like, I got to get up and run. See, that's sometimes what sin does to us. Sometimes sin makes us think it's a good thing. It makes us think that it's okay. But let me just do a little more. One of the problems that we have discovered about addictions is the fact that the first interaction that you have with a narcotic, the uh, high that you get is the high that you continue to pursue. But because we don't understand physiology, we don't realize that the body makes incremental adjustments to the high so it doesn't feel as high as the very first high. So what do we do? We try to get high. But we just can't seem to get there and so it takes us down a different path. Okay, the reefer was good, but, but it's not doing like it used to. So let me move on. And then we realize that you get involved with heroin, you get involved with cocaine, and then you're like, but all I did was start with reefer. Now I'm not implying that reefer is a gateway drug. That's not what I'm implying. What I'm implying is the fact that when sin starts maneuvering you, it takes you to places that you don't really want to go. And all you can say and all you can do is, God was right. I shouldn't have did it. And one thing I would tell you, I'm telling you from somebody that looks to do a little something, something. That when you first start, you had that little thing on your shoulder saying, you know you shouldn't be doing this. But let me try it. I'll be all right. And then the other one on the shoulder saying, Come on, man. You'll be all right. You'll be all right. The other one, you know you shouldn't be doing this. And next thing you know, you're down a road that you really don't want to be on. And when you get called to task, when it becomes time for you to answer for what you've done, the first thing we say is not my fault. The first thing we do is we look at everybody else. And we begin to say, well, my daddy, my mama, my brother, my sister, my cousin, my dog, my cat, my rat, everything did something to cause me to do this. But God is saying, I called you. I told you. I don't know about you. I'm the firstborn. I used to get in trouble for the I told you's. Mama ain't tell nobody else. Daddy ain't tell nobody else. I told you. So that made you responsible. Now, because you're responsible, now you're going to receive the benefit or the consequence of that responsibility. If it was good, you got benefits. If it was bad, you got consequence. 
But the one thing I always remember, this is just me, is that when it was a benefit, I didn't want to share it. But when it's a consequence, I wanted everybody to get a little bit of that consequence. Y'all might not be like that. That's how I was. What we are seeing as we look into Lamentations is that we have this time period where everybody is going through something. And if we look at it, and if we look through the eyes of God and see it how God sees it, I could tell you that there is a sin issue in most every situation. There is a changing, there is a revamping, there is a movement of from what the Bible says to how I feel about it. Now, I'll never forget, a friend of mine told me, he said, Pastor, you know, a feeling is only, worth, only lasts for 90 seconds. And when he first time he told me that, I was like, isn't that something? You feel and you make a permanent decision over a temporary feeling. I'm sorry, I'm not going to go down that alley. I almost did. But I put, no, I had to turn the car back. I got to stay on this. I got to stay on this. Now, there's a lot of people that are struggling today. They, 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 they are struggling. Even the people back at that time were struggling with this fact. If God is a God of love, why are we going through this? If God is a God of love, why do people have to go to hell? If God is a God of love, why do children have to die. If God is a God, they have, they, they, they say all these conditions if God is. Well, I want to tell you that God is a God of love. But we cannot have love without having a standard. Y'all not going to like that. God has a standard and his love is not based upon the standard. His love is based upon who he is. His love says, if you are on this earth, I love you. But I have a standard of operation. And if you operate according to the standard, then you will not get a consequence. What we have to look at is this. Now, I'm, I'm going to close with, I, no, I'm not. Okay, anyway. So if God is a God of love, then that means he can't be a God of judgment, right? Because if he loved me, then he, can't, he won't judge me. Oh, come on now. Well, I, well, I just can't figure it out. How can, he, how can he love me and judge me? Because he has a love for you. that He wants you to be, what I say, holy like he is holy. So now we look at this. That God, if he did not have judgment, then guess what he would not have? No he wouldn't have no love. Because judgment keeps you on the path to show and reflect love. So to have judgment without love or love without judgment, 
shouldn't even be a thought. But we try to wiggle ourselves into a position to justify what it is that we're doing so that we can say, it ain't me, it's God. Something just ran through my mind because the Olympics is on right now. Some of the stuff that we say is like us running the race and we say, I want the finish line to be right here because I'm tired. But the standard is, the finish line is down there. But I don't want to run down there, so I want the finish line to be right here. Y'all unfair. If y'all was for the athletes, it could be wherever I want to make the finish line. But the standard is, the finish line for everybody is to go down there. So if we try to manipulate rearrange, revise what it is that God has established as the standard. Some of us are going to be doing like Jeremiah and sitting on the sideline crying. Lamenting as the term says. Going through a grieving process because God has called us because of his holiness to a standard. And his holiness declares that we follow after the standard that has been established. We can't change the finish line. The finish line is the finish line. We can't change God's rules. We can't change God's law. We can't prioritize God's standard so that it fits how we feel it should fit. Could you, I don't know if y'all ever seen that movie, Bruce Almighty. But if you ever seen the Bruce Almighty movie, I, I, I knew I wasn't going to go down one alley. I was just going to run down this alley real quick. So Bruce was mad at God. And God met Bruce. Now, the little another side note is the atheist that played God, the person that played God is an atheist in the movie. But anyway, that's a side note. But anyway, I'm sorry, I'm really jumping right now. But anyway, so he so God tells Bruce, he says, listen, why don't you do my job since you think it's so easy? And so he said, okay, I'll do your job. And so Bruce is hearing all these prayer requests, all these prayer requests. He says, I wish the prayer request was on a, a, on a computer, like an email. So, he, so the computer lights up, all these prayer requests pop up on there. There's like a million prayer requests. And he's going through them one, yes, yes, yes. He takes a break. Thing refreshes, now it's up to two million. He's like, I'll never get this done. So he does that control A. If, for those of y'all that know, control A means select all. So he select all, and he says, I approve all these. Now, what happens after that is total chaos. Because you got people on the television that won the lottery, the same lottery, with different numbers. You got all kinds of things going on. You got folks, uh, 
It's a nice little comedy. But, but the point was, when we try to do, use our limited thinking into what God has going on, we mess it up every time. When we try to change God's standard and make it our standard, mess it up every time. When we try to do it our way instead of God's way, we mess it up every time. Our prayer today for you is, Lord, let us see it just how you see it. We all know that if you ask for forgiveness, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So if, as you are looking at it the way God sees it, not as prioritization, but as everything's on the same level, sin is sin. No matter what shape it's in, it's still sin. Boy, I made a rhyme and I don't even try Boy, <laughs> Boy, that's off the dome, is that how they say it, right? All right, but as sin is sin, and if we can see it for that, I think we will communicate to our spouses and our loved ones a little bit differently. I think if we saw it the way God sees it, we would speak to people differently. I think we would have more compassion in how we interact with people. I think we would see people like God sees them and not how we have categorize them or how we have prejudged them before we interacted with them. I think that God's love will shine through and we will be able to touch other people's lives. My challenge for you today is see how God sees. So your crying won't be as long. If you have gone through some times in your life where you have felt that God has forsaken you, God has given up on you, you've got to get yourself to that point where you realize that God is right. And his word says that if you call upon me, that I will answer and I will show you great and mighty things. If you're tired of fighting by yourself, and if you're tired of feeling all alone, I challenge you to get God's eyesight, to see it the way God sees it, because it's very important. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, today is the best day for you to do that. It's a quite simple process. All you have to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says that you shall be saved. It then says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want you today to make that decision. As we were talking today, as we're going through this, sermon, but there was something said that resonated with you. God says, if you ask me to forgive you, I will forgive you. Yes, 
accept Christ in your life. If you have done that for the first time today, we want to assist you along this road. If you're in the area, you can come to our service. But most importantly, what I would love for you to do is contact us. Let us know so that we can assist you along this way. You can contact us at info at godshousecc.com. And not only if you're local, if wherever you are, wherever you are seeing this message, we want to assist you along this journey. I keep saying it, this is not an individual event. This is a team event. We are here for one another. We are a body. And if any part of the body is uh, affected, it affects the whole body. So we want you to be the strongest part of the body that God has selected for you to be. So let us know. We will be there to help you. It is our whole desire, our whole reason for being is to assist you to become all that God has called for you to be. Well, friends and family, thank y'all for hanging out with us on our first episode. We got four more episodes to go through. And uh, don't worry. There's hope in every chapter. This is just, it, it just you just got to whoop and your butt's still hurting. That's that first chapter. <laughs> It's going to get a little bit better. Just, it's going to get a little bit better. But, but sometimes, sometimes, it hurts to get better. It hurts to get better. But I believe through this that God's going to make us better so that we can see it the way that he sees it so that we can react the way that he reacts. All right? This has been episode number one. Do you see like God sees? Well, up until next week, God's blessings be upon you. In Jesus' name.